Your brain learns like a scientist. Each time it has an experience, positive or negative, it clocks that as evidence for its beliefs. If you avoid the thing you fear, you never give yourself the chance to build up evidence in your mind that you can get through it and survive. Just telling your brain that something is safe is not enough. You must experience it. Welcome to Philosopher Insights, the podcast that delivers wisdom in minutes a day that you can put into practice daily and strive to master over a lifetime. The podcast committed to sharing ideas that encourage you to bridge the gap between who you are today and the person you aspire to be in the future. Hi, my name is Herb Lamba and welcome to my podcast where I will share practical insights from the world's best authors. Knowledge isn't power, applied knowledge is. The quest to become the best version of you starts right now. Hi, and welcome to Philosopher Insights. My name is Herb Lamba. Today, we're taking a look at why has nobody told me this before? Everyday tools for life's ups and downs. The author of this book is Dr. Julie Smith, and it was published in 2022. I wanted to share a number of my favorite insights, starting with emotional reasoning, the basics, this is who I am, self-soothing kit, bring me confidence, bounce back from failure, stop making anxiety worse, calm anxiety now, goals and stress, and then finish it off with you are deserving. So let's begin with the introduction. Quote, I started campaigning into my poor husband's ear about how things should be different. Okay, go for it, he said. Put some videos on YouTube or something. So we did. Together we started making videos talking about mental health. As it turned out, I was not the only one who wanted to talk about this stuff. Before I knew it, I was making almost daily videos for millions of followers across social media. But the platforms where I could reach the most people seem to be those with short-form videos. This means I have a large collection of videos with no longer than 60 seconds to get my point across. While I've been able to catch people's attention, share some insights, and get them talking about mental health, I still want to go one step further. When you make a 60-second video, there is so much that you have to leave out. So much detail that gets missed. So here it is, the detail. The tools in this book are mostly taught in therapy, but they are not therapy skills. They are life skills, tools that can help every single one of us to navigate through difficult times and to flourish. In this book, I'll break down the things I have learned as a psychologist and gather together all the most valuable knowledge, wisdom, and practical techniques I have come across that have changed my life and those of the people I have worked with. The things included in this book have a research evidence base. But I do not rest on that alone. I also know that they can help because I have seen them help time and time again for real people. End quote. I captured this from the introduction of Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before by Dr. Julie Smith. What I admired most about this book is that it not only delves into the concepts behind some of the most complex mental health challenges, but it also provides numerous practical evidence-based exercises that you can immediately begin incorporating into your life. As we continue exploring the topic of mental health, I saw this book as the perfect choice to follow up on my previous episode, Move Your Body, Heal Your Mind. I am confident that those who read this book will discover increased inner strength and a greater ability to steer their own lives, provided they implement the invaluable advice shared by Dr. Julie Smith. I am delighted to present a handful of my favorite insights, so let's get started. Insight number one, emotional reasoning. Quote, just as thoughts are not facts, Feelings are not facts either. Emotions are information, but when that information is powerful, intense, and loud, as emotions can be, then we are more vulnerable to believing in them as a true reflection of what is going on. I feel it, therefore it must be a fact. Emotional reasoning is a thought bias that leads us to use what we feel as evidence 
for something to be true, even when there might be plenty of evidence to suggest otherwise. End quote. Emotional reasoning is one of the mood pitfalls outlined in the book. Picture this. You just strolled out of an exam and you're carrying a heavy backpack of gloom, feeling like confidence took a day off. Now that tricky emotion side of your brain wants to convince you that this is a one-way ticket to Flunksville. It's like your brain is getting signals from your not-so-happy mood and jumping to the wrong conclusions about your performance. Quote, Thought bias is inevitable, but we are not helpless to its effects. Get some distance from those thoughts by becoming familiar with the common biases, noticing when they appear and labeling them as biases, not facts. End quote. Insight number two, the basics. Quote, if you are tempted to skip over this because you think you've heard it all before, then it's even more important to read it. We underestimate the power of these defenses so much that they are often the first things we let go when we are under stress or not feeling so good. End quote. Isn't it often about getting back to the basics? When you assess any aspect of your life, it's never a bad idea to start by checking in on the basics. Now, when it comes to dealing with the blues, what are these core components? Exercise, sleep, nutrition, routine, and human connection. Here's the thing. When we dive into the topic of getting off the couch and staying active, I much prefer the term movement rather than exercise. Exercise sometimes has this aura of hard work and intimidation, and that's not what the author is suggesting here. In a nutshell, it's as simple as moving a bit more today than you did yesterday. It's like leveling up in a video game, but instead of gaining experience points, you're gaining a healthier, happier you. When it comes to getting a good night's sleep, the author says this, quote, Take anyone on this earth and start depriving them of sleep, and that person will become vulnerable to both physical and mental illness. When you haven't had enough sleep, everything feels ten times harder, end quote. As for human connection, the author goes on to say, quote, When you're feeling low, the thought of facing anyone can be exhausting and overwhelming. This is the trap of depression. It tells us to withdraw, hide away, don't see anyone until we feel better. But in doing so, we hold ourselves back. Being with others, even when we don't feel like it, to observe them, interact with them, and build connections with them can help to lift our mood and pull us out of our own head and back into the real world. End quote. Here's the bottom line. You can't afford to overlook the fundamentals. Refer back to episode 2 of this podcast to hear Alan Stein Jr. spill the beans on how the legendary Kobe Bryant tackled the basics in basketball like a champ. Insight number 3. This is who I am. Quote, as motivation rises and falls along the journey of change, returning to your sense of self and the identity you want to create can help you to persist when motivation has disappeared. If you see yourself as someone who looks after their dental hygiene, you pick up the toothbrush every day, whether you feel like it or not, because it is just what you do. Our sense of identity does not have to be entirely fixed by what is laid out for us early in life. We continue to create and build on that identity throughout life with everything that we do. When our goals are underlined by our intention to become the person we want to be, or even better, when we have decided that this is who we are now, then we act in line with that even on the days when motivation is low. End quote. Now I know I've shared this before, but it's of utmost importance and worth repeating. Most people let their feelings dictate how they act, which in turn shapes who they are. To be blunt, that is backwards. Instead of feelings, behavior, identity, where feelings are the star of the show, it's time to flip the script to identity, behavior, feelings. In other words, 
We need to know exactly who we want to be. That's our identity. And that identity should be the boss, calling the shots, not our feelings. Insight number four, self-soothing kit. Quote, self-soothing is any set of behaviors that helps you to feel safe and soothed as you experience a painful emotion. When your threat response is triggered, the message being received by your brain is, we're not safe. All is not okay. Do something about this now. If we want this distressing emotion to stop escalating and start its process of coming back down to baseline, we need to feed our body and brain new information that we are safe, end quote. All right, let's dive into this cool thing the author calls the self-soothing box. It's like your secret stash for when things get tough. It's something you prepare in advance for those times when you really need to calm down. Here's the best part. All you need is an old shoebox, and you fill it with things that make you feel safe and relaxed. Now what goes in there? Well, anything that screams comfort and safety to you. Maybe some uplifting journal entries, a hint of calming lavender oil, or a soothing scented candle. Basically, whatever you know will help ease your emotions. It's like your personal emotional rescue kit. Insight number five, bring me confidence. Quote, confidence is like a home that you build for yourself. When you go somewhere new, you must build a new one. But when we do, we're not starting from scratch. Every time we step into the unknown and try something new, experience that vulnerability, make mistakes, get through them and build some confidence, we move on to the next chapter with evidence that we can get through tough challenges. Confidence is not the same as comfortable. One of the biggest misconceptions about becoming self-confident is that it means living fearlessly. The key to building confidence is quite the opposite. It means we are willing to let the fear be present as we do the things that really matter to us. But the only way confidence can grow is when we are willing to be without it. When we can step into fear and sit with the unknown, it is the courage of doing that builds confidence from the ground up. Courage comes first. Confidence comes second. End quote. Now that we've established that courage takes the lead, let's explore the world beyond our comfort zone and venture into what we'll call the stretch zone. This is where we invite challenges into our lives, ones that require a little bit of bravery. With every new challenge we embrace, we're crafting a beautiful tapestry, a tapestry of self-confidence, strengthening as we navigate these courageous leaps. Always remember, courage paves the way, and confidence follows closely behind. It's a journey well worth taking. Insight number six, bounce back from failure. Quote, if we believe that mistakes and shortcomings should be met with humiliation and shame, no matter what the intention, how do we ever begin to be okay with taking risks and making mistakes ourselves? Accepting failure is hard in environments where people attack each other for mistakes. No matter how hostile we are towards failure collectively, changing our relationship with failure must begin with us. Failure hurts every time, whether the environment is safe or not. Therefore, we avoid it at all costs. We quit when things get hard. We switch to an easier, safer option, or we refuse to begin at all. End quote. Now let's tackle the most important question. How can someone grappling with mental health challenges embrace setbacks as a vital component of life's growth and development? Well, Dr. Smith says it all begins with the recognition that recovering from a failure cannot depend on external factors. You see, we cannot always rely on others to provide support. And truth be told, there will always be people waiting to criticize from the sidelines. So, what we need to focus on is the ability to return to what truly holds value in our lives. It is not so much about the failure itself. 
but rather it revolves around your fundamental values and the motivations that have propelled you on this daring adventure. Now the author suggests that we must be honest with ourselves. It is not a straightforward pursuit, but it is a journey that we must take to grow and develop. Insight number seven, stop making anxiety worse. Quote, your brain learns like a scientist. Each time it has an experience, positive or negative, it clocks that as evidence for its beliefs. If you avoid the thing you fear, you never give yourself the chance to build up evidence in your mind that you can get through it and survive. Just telling your brain that something is safe is not enough. You must experience it. Your brain will take some convincing, so you need to repeat that behavior over and over. As many times as it takes, the things you do most of the time become your comfort zone. So if you want to feel less anxious about something, do it as often as you can, end quote. All right, let me lay it out for you. Every single time you summon the courage to tackle the things that scare you, that's when you start to truly evolve. But here's the flip side. If you choose to dodge every daunting situation that comes your way, guess what? There's no room for growth. All you're left with is carrying that same fear around like an unwanted friend you can't shake. Embrace the challenge, because that's where the magic happens. Insight number eight, calm anxiety now. Quote, if you struggle with anxiety, you are probably hoping for a tip that you can use right now. Something easy to learn that will have instant effects. Many people feel this way at the beginning of therapy. That is why I always teach people this first skill as early as possible. It's easy to learn and takes just a few minutes to bring down the intensity of anxiety. At the very least, it prevents anxiety from escalating to panic. When anxiety is triggered, you start breathing more quickly. This is your body's way of getting extra oxygen to fuel the survival response. You feel as though you cannot catch your breath, so you breathe faster with rapid, shallow breaths. Then you have excess oxygen in your system. If you slow your breathing down, you can calm the body and in turn slow your breathing. Not only this, but if you can extend the out-breath so that it is longer or more vigorous than the in-breath, this helps to slow your heart rate down as well. When the pounding heart comes down, so does the anxiety response, end quote. You may be wondering why I'm sharing such a basic technique for alleviating anxiety. Allow me to spill the beans. It's because most people are searching for these incredibly sophisticated, scientifically supported approaches to manage their anxiety. However, here's the twist. They frequently disregard a wonderfully uncomplicated, simple practice. It all starts with self-awareness, my friend. As you tap into self-awareness and you engage in a simple breathing exercise, you'll become skilled at recognizing when that anxiety level starts to rise. And before it escalates beyond your control, you will be able to utilize a reliable breathing technique to bring it down a notch. Sometimes, simplicity holds the key to success. Insight number nine, goals and stress. Quote, so much of what we are exposed to, especially in the self-improvement industry, is about being your best, standing out from the crowd, and being exceptional. Life goals are often set from a competitive standpoint, everyone striving to prove themselves as enough, with symbols of achievement. But science is beginning to unravel this fallacy. Those who build their lives on self-focused goals are more vulnerable to depression, anxiety, and loneliness. Whereas those who structure their goals on something bigger than the self tend to feel more hopeful, grateful, inspired, excited, and experience better well-being and life satisfaction. When we focus on how our actions, big or small, can help others, we show less stress response in difficult and demanding situations. End quote. This I absolutely love. You see, in this day and age, people often get caught up in this frenzy of striving for a certain status. 
but they sometimes lose sight of why they're chasing it. They're gunning for that manager title, but is it just so they can strut around saying, I'm the manager? Seriously? It strikes me that if you keep playing this status game as you climb up that corporate ladder, you're setting yourself up for a life with more stress and less of those moments that truly light you up. Now let me introduce you to a far better approach. Concentrate your energy on the impact you're creating for others. Ask yourself, how is my daily work positively influencing the lives of those around me? You'll be astonished at how this not only alleviates stress, but also supercharges your drive to excel at whatever level you're at within the organization. Final insight. You are deserving. Quote, something that I often hear from individuals when they come along to talk about the idea of therapy is that they don't feel they deserve it. Other people must have it worse, so they wait until a breaking point for taking that step. By that time, the hill to climb has become a mountain. Waiting until you are on a deathbed before seeking help is never a good strategy for maintaining your health, both physically and mentally. The message is starting to be heard that our mental health is not entirely out of our hands. We are not at the mercy of emotional states that strike us down. There are things we can learn, changes we can make to take responsibility for our health. That involves learning all that you can from whatever is available to you and working hard to try things out, make mistakes, try again, learn a bit more, and keep going, end quote. That is straight from the last chapter of the book, and it's all about why we should seek help. Now, the author gets it. Not everyone has easy access to mental health services. So, her advice? Lean on the power of human connections and do a bit of self-education to keep our mental health in good shape. It's like having your own toolkit for a healthier, happier you. And there you have it, my friends. Those are the key takeaways I wanted to share from Why Has Nobody Told Me This Before by Dr. Julie Smith. But trust me, I have only managed to skim the surface in terms of the wisdom that lies within these pages. So, if you're wrestling with mental health challenges or you know someone who is, I can't stress this enough. Dive into this book. Get your hands on it and don't just read it. Absorb it. Until next time, stay curious and keep embracing the wonders of knowledge. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Philosopher Insights with your host, Herb Landon. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.